You're listening to Trek FM. Hi, this is Commentary Colon Trek Stars, a show where we look at the work of Trek creators outside of Star Trek, which means we'll be talking about things that somebody in Star Trek made, but we'll be uh, talking about Gorns periodically in reference to things that aren't Gorns. Right. And this is our 15th episode, and it's part six in our look at Nicholas Meyer as an author. Confessions of a Homing Pigeon. Confessions of a Homing Pigeon. Um, Just to give you a brief synopsis of of, of the piece... The book, it's it's kind of a coming-of-age story. It's about a, a character named George Bernini, who is a, a kid from New York, whose parents are killed in a trapeze accident. Well, they die. Yeah, they die in a trapeze accident. He's sent to live with his drunk uncle in France. Drunk? Alcoholic uncle okay. in France. Well, he's French. Right. And then from... No, he's actually American. <laughs> <Doesn't matter. laughs> and from there, he is sort of bounced around to and from the U.S., and the whole time he is trying to find his way home, and the big problem is he doesn't know what home is anymore because it keeps on changing. Home keeps on getting taken away from him. So Sure, except, I mean, for the most part, it is a story about a guy who decides to go back to France. Right. That, that is the basic premise. Once once he's, he moves to Chicago... And he's right. living with his foster parents. He finds his life to be um, in right. a rut. The meta-narrative of a guy who's sort of searching for home is only true if you look at the entire thing. Right. The Like, on the ground, it's more about a guy who whose parents are dead, basically at the beginning of the story. Before, yeah, probably before even the start of the story. Right. But not, you know, they're not, they're, they died from weird circumstances, but not suspicious there's no foul play involved. The Joker didn't do anything. Uh, they just straight up died because they screwed up, mm-hmm. presumably. Yeah. And, uh, and and then he moves in with his uncle in France. And then he, you know, bums around for a lot of various reasons and bas- basically, in France. Well, basically the, the problem is that the uncle is not exactly the most responsible adult in the world. Uh, financially or uh, in terms of uh, parental guidance. Or in any other way. Right. And his uh, aunt and uncle on the other side of his family decide that it's in his best interest for them to raise him in Chicago. Yes. So after getting yanked out of New York and thrown across the world to France because that's the only person who would take him, he's then yanked out of France and thrown back to America because these people think it's best for him. And in reality, right. it's not that great. Okay, except the reality is none of it was all that great. Well, okay, but 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 in, in terms of his reality, his thinking, it's not that great, and he decides, he decides to make it his goal to get back to his uncle in France. Right. Okay. Except, obviously, this is... We're, we're saying all these things. He's, he, he's you know, a child, like, you know, 10. Right. When it the starts story off, starts. The, well, no, he was, he, he's even younger than that. He's probably four when the, the when the thing starts. And by the time well, it no, ends. No, I mean, like, by the time he starts doing stuff. Okay. By the time he, he by the time he, he's in, he's in France from about four to nine. And then he's back in America from about nine to 14. And then he goes back. Mm-hmm. Or he tries to go back. The story doesn't really start until he's already in Chicago. 
Right. He's, he's pretty much the, the beginning of the book is mostly like vague rememberings of of goings on. But it is important because it kind of establishes what his life in France is, what his life has become. So when he does get ripped away from that, you know, even even if the story is being told from through, you know, like a, you know, rose-colored glasses or, or or whatever, he it we know that, you know, it is traumatic for this nine-year-old to be taken away from everything that he knows and brought to Chicago to live. Sure. I think that, that I don't think that there's, there's rose-colored anything here. This isn't, nothing's rose-tinted. I don't think that he, he, he never really actually specifies anything about how great it was. He I mean, doesn't yeah. think that like, like where he is is great or where he is now is terrible or where he was, was well, blah, blah, blah. Everything is just sort of what it is. He doesn't even really have conscious present thoughts until he decides to go back. Like well, his first like independent thought is, I'm going to go, go, go see Fritz. And it's not because he's trying to recapture his life or because he's trying to move back in and reassume that life. It's just because that's, it just makes sense to him. Well, it's also because he hasn't heard from Fritz. He doesn't know what's happened to him. Right. His letters get returned. Right. And, but I mean, what I guess what I'm saying with, with, the, with the first part, you know, where, where you're establishing what his life is in France with his uncle Fritz, mm-hmm. you know, while he is, you know, an alcoholic who doesn't know how to raise a kid and who barely has any money to raise that kid, you always get the impression that, you know, despite you know messing up repeatedly in his uh in 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 his you know uh raising of this child he's giving the kid something which is of a certain value you know his his life is better for his experiences do you know what i'm saying i know what you're saying i don't really think that's so much a thing. Okay. All right. I mean, like, the this isn't like, you know, Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. You know, this is... No. This is the dude. Right, right. But it is like, the, but there are, are you know, there there may be some sort of a, an uh, openness or uh, to, to to certain life experiences that uh, a, a more um, strict or conservative uh, parental figure might not have, you know, like being exposed to the arts, being exposed to, you know, what the world has to offer. Sure, except that he wasn't really aware of any of that. He didn't have any sort of conscious appreciation of these things. Oh, what, I, what he was yeah. exposed to was a different culture. I mean, you're responding to, you know, Frenchness. P- perhaps, yeah. I mean, but I, I don't know. I, I think that it it applies. I I don't know. But regardless, it's it's not just the Frenchness. It's it's the the. I mean, there's there's numerous anecdotes where you know he's like, this was obviously a terrible situation. Like when they go to Rome, you know, and and you know he mm-hmm. his his uncle Fritz uh, wins a bunch of money gambling, and instead of investing it or doing anything, he, he essentially steals it. Well, whatever. He he decides to go to. Uh, to take a trip to Rome mm-hmm. without any sort of regards for, you know, how much money he's spending, how he's going to get back and everything. And in the process, you know, they lose all their money and have to find a way to get back home. They end up, you know, sleeping in the Coliseum one night and, and yep. all this stuff. And, you know, while this seems like a, a, a terrible situation, it created a life experience, which was probably much more valuable than had circumstances not put them in this place 
At least that's the way that is presented in the story, which is being told from, you know, this this uh, this kid's perspective. I think that, that I, I think you're reading something into that because, I mean, the, the idea, the way, the way it is presented, I, it's never presented as a terrible idea. It's never presented like, you know, my uncle was irresponsible and a terrible, you know, like well, uh, surrogate parent. Like, it's just like this is how he lived. So I lived with him. And I mean, this is just normal. No, but, but, but there is so, like you could tell that he as a kid was probably more responsible than – his uncle and he would say things like you know his uncle would be like oh no 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 it'll be great and he's like yeah right and and reading it you think yeah right no this is not great and then in the end it turned out like he says his uncle was right you know that time and again his uncle ended up being right about these things i yeah i i i think that you're reading more into that relationship that isn't so much there i i don't think that the intention is that he was overly irresponsible i think that that he was a different sort of person. Well, I mean, that could be. I don't know. Regardless. So just in terms of, I mean, I know that we've sort of got, gotten into it and everything, but if, you know, people are trying to sort of get a grasp on, you know, what what this book is like, it's, it's not like Meyer's other, other books, Meyer's other books in terms of, you know, it's not a mystery or any of that stuff. It's There's more along, well, yeah, but it's more along the lines of something like, a coming of age story like Catcher in the Rye or, or Almost Famous or an American or tale, something like that. An American tale. Fievel goes east, yeah, to France. But uh, what what did, what did you think about the book? Um, I I, I find it very odd. Uh, uh, like regularly throughout that book, I I kept thinking like, why why write this? Why write this, Nicholas Meyer? This is so particular. This is so specific. Why did you feel the need to write this book? And then, like, later on in the book, somebody mentions Catcher in the Rye. And I was like, oh, he wanted to write something like that. I get it. <laughs> that, that makes sense. That, that is a, a thing where I, I was kind of surprised when he, he they mentioned Catcher in the Rye. Because I'm like, really? Are you really going to tip your hand? But maybe that's his way of just sort of acknowledging that this is, like, Catcher in the Rye. I mean, like, like there is another scene where he's like... Look, you've you've seen this scene in every other book that's like this, so I'm not going to tell you what happened. But you know, yeah. And then he tells you what happened essentially. But yeah. Um, but uh, the thing is, like a lot of the points in this book feel like things that have already read or seen mm-hmm. or something. And and the this is this is a book where you know a 14 year old decides to get on a like essentially leave Chicago and go to France. Right. So like it's a kid doing something alone for odd reasons that aren't completely fully explored. And I don't think he even really knew at the, even when he, when he got there, like it, he was more or less doing it because it seemed like the thing to do at the time because he didn't want to be where he was. Yeah. He wasn't so much going to France as he was running away. Yeah. And he makes that distinction where he says, you know, in the book, he says like, I've run away a bunch of times and I've always been caught. But the reason why is because I was always running away. I didn't have a destination and this right. gave me a reason right. he, to he's, leave. He selected a place to go. Yeah. So he just decided to go back to his uncle in France. But it wasn't like he was returning to the place where he always wished he was. It wasn't like he was returning to the place where you know he learned wisdom or any of that. It's just that that's, that's somebody he remembers and, and, and he wasn't able to talk to him and he missed him. Yeah. And so he decided to go there. So, like at that point, you're, that's where you know the story sort of starts going in a sense. But I mean, even then, the story isn't entirely a hundred percent going because then he, you know, you know, gets on a train and you know he's on the train for a little while. And he gets to New York and he hangs out in New York for a little while. And he gets on a boat 
He's on the boat for a little while, and he meets a friend on the boat, and he hangs out with the friend on the boat, and then he has sex for the first time. And so, like, this is this is the story. And then, you know, like, he gets to France, and he, like, you know, walks around, meets somebody that he knew, and they're like, oh, you're looking for your uncle? Oh, yeah, he's down there. And he goes down there, and there's his uncle. But oh, his uncle dies. But the thing, the thing about it, right, I mean... The, the the kind of way that the the thing is structured, what basically what you just described is, you know, a road story. Yes, right? but like all road stories, at every point I'm thinking, I kind of just don't want to be here anymore. I'm sick of the train. I'm sick of the boat. I'm sick of all these places. Just get there already. I know that I'm supposed to be really interested in the journey, but you know what? This childhood seems a lot like every other freaking childhood. Like, you know, like, he's moved the landmarks around, and he's, like, you know, compressed it, but it sounds a lot like childhood in general. Did you like it, or or not? Were you, uh, I mean, were there things that you admired about it? Or, generally speaking, did you just find it to be tedious? Or? No, I was curious. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, once you read this book, I mean, like, the, the mystery isn't revealed, because... I'm still not entirely sure what the motivation was. Because, I mean, like, like, while I could say, you know, he wanted to write a book like... You know, a catcher in the rye. At the same time, I'm not entirely sure why he wanted to write this book this mm-hmm. way. And, and like, the autobiographical thing, like, I know exactly what that is. I mean, supposedly somewhat autobiographical. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what he was talking about. It, of course it's somewhat autobiographical. Of course there's a whole bunch of episodes from his life thrown throughout here. But, I mean, that's what you do. And at the same time, I'm not entirely sure why this is the thing that resulted it seems sort of peculiar, but I mean, like, I'm not like saying, "Oh, this is the wrong choice." I'm just saying I'm very interested in why these particular choices were made. Okay, well, not in the sense of like, "Oh, this is a great book. Let's explore it." Because I mean, you know, Nicholas Myers' works, uh, Sherlock Holmes stuff's cool, really cool. Tiger Practice is all right. This is this is my second least favorite of his books. I really liked it. You know, I, I wasn't expecting to like it. I was kind of dreading this book. It's definitely his longest book, almost by twice, uh, more than twice in, in some instances. And um, I uh, was very, very skeptical because it wasn't a mystery. It wasn't an adventure. It was, you know, I, I knew coming into this that, that it was going to be sort of a coming-of-age story. And usually you hear that coming-of-age story and you're like, oh, man, Really, do we have to do this? Well, it depends on the story. <clears throat> it, it totally depends on the story. The problem is that this is, this is George travels on various vehicles. <laughs> no, but the but, novel. <laughs> but 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 in the end, I, I really really liked it. You know, in some ways, there's some parts of it that I I mean, once it got going, I, I responded to much more than um, his other books. You know, like his other books, I, I tend to like on a sort of. Um, almost technical level, you know, I, I enjoy them, uh, for, for what he's doing. Like I can see, you know, the, the, work of, of the master at play and, and I, I appreciate it for, for that. But for this one, I was sort of like actually like emotionally invested in it in a way that I definitely didn't think that I would be. For example, you know, when um, he gets onto the boat, you know, in sort of the last leg of his journey or the second to the last leg of his journey, you know, a, a love story. Depending on your way of looking at it, it might be like the seventh to last leg okay. of the journey. Okay, all right. But uh, a, a love story develops. And when it first started, I was like, 
this is not, no, this does not make sense. I'm not buying this. And by the time it got to the That's end. That's the part where the, your, your credibility? That, that, no, 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 no. I, I, mean, I mean, in terms of the love story itself, right? It, what, I'm That's what not, I'm saying. What, what, at the beginning of the love story, I was like, I'm not buying this. And, and then as it progressed, I was like, you know, th- this is really working. Like I, you know, most love stories, we've talked about this on other things that, you know, where, you know, you, you, uh, you just kind of have to buy that they're in love because it's very hard to convey that in a book or in a movie, you know, why two people love each other. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. If you're, oh, hold on. I'm, I just point this out. Okay. Okay. Like I've criticized like the romances in a lot of things. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, two 14 year olds falling in love well, on a boat. Okay. Okay. I buy that way more than I buy Two fully grown adults who meet each other on a bus and well, decide that they love each other by the end of the movie. Well, I mean, this is what I'm saying, right? <laughs> like, like the way that it was presented, the way that you know it, it sort of took you through like the early stages of the relationship, like step by step. It was, it was almost playing out in real time. Like, but I mean, I, there I is could, sort of a big chunk of time that is right. But popped. but 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 I, I I could buy that relationship, you know, the formation of that relationship, and then you know as it progresses and and you know they you know have to you know split up at, at one point and stuff like that i i really feel bad for this guy you know and and the situation that he's in like i i totally feel for him i um in in that ways you know that the, there's a, a certain level of uh empathy which is uh, achieved with this book which is not in in any of his other books at all but uh you know if if i have a problem with the uh the book it's that i think it kind of suffers from the dawson's creek syndrome where james vanderbeek ruins it <laughs> no but every I'm step i'm pretty sure that is the syndrome <laughs> okay. that's part of it but what i'm thinking of more of the, the the more classical thing which is you know what is the classical definition <laughs> of the dawson's creek syndrome i don't know i don't know if there, there's a definition for the dawson's creek syndrome but certainly something which uh, people have once you define this you have to chisel it into again. stone by the way okay the characters are acting much more mature than they would in real life. You know, where where you can have, let's say, a relationship between these two fourteen year olds and, and the emotions behind these things and, and the and their actions, you know, on like a surface level could totally play out like this. The way that it's presented is very, very adult. Like these kids seem much smarter than uh, like when I think about like any fourteen-year-old that you might see walking down the street, like like imagining this book like in my head, for some reason the person who kept <laughs> popping into my head for this main character, this fourteen-year-old, like the voice which I heard for this character, <laughs> was Roy Scheider and Joss. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> which I mean obviously is a much older person, right? But then like any time I tried to like like sort of like they're both Jewish. And no, I don't know what it was, but anytime I sort of I think just the the speech patterns and stuff. Like when when I try to scale it back to like and and think about like no 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 wait, he's 14. You know, I I'm going to try to get an image of a 14-year-old in my head. I'm like I don't buy this now, you know? The stuff that he was he was doing 
when he was an eight-year-old, I was like, no, 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 no. This is something that a 14-year-old would be doing. You know, the stuff that he was doing when he was 14 years old, I'm like, that's something that an 18-year-old would be doing. It's just like there seems to be the scale which was slid way back onto the uh, – I don't see it that way. In terms way. of age. I don't see it that way because I like the, when I when when I was reading this book, I felt that there was – the reason I know exactly why this is autobiographical is because this sounds exactly like how I remember my own childhood. Okay. It's like when I was 14, I had thoughts like that. But well, if you sure. but the, on the surface, the surface is the hard thing to nail, but because we're in his head, I, I mean, we're, I guess we're seeing it, it from his point of view. But I mean like externally, if you looked at me as a 14-year-old, you would look at like, you know, any other 14-year-old. But I know like internally I was like all over the freaking place. Well, yeah, I, mean, I was that's... like really depressed and I had really bizarre thoughts and I was like all over the place. I was really – I wrote like a book a day when I was 14. It's like I, I had a lot of thoughts going on. But on the surface, I was – I'd kind of like to have French toast. Right. Today. And I mean I guess that's the thing. You know, and, and it is written from, you know, let's say an, an older person's perspective. Um, but, you know. But, I mean that's the thing. Like even when, you, when, I, was, like, when I was like eight, like, like externally – you know, like this. You know, you're eight years old, but like internally, like you know, when you were eight, you had a lot of really complicated thoughts, and yeah. like there were definitely points where you were like, I, I, you know, this is a situation that I should, I'm too young for, but I'm in it anyway, so let's deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, let's deal with what, what, what I got to do. Okay, but I mean, that's just how it goes. I mean, like that's, you know, I, that's why like I sense the autobiographical quality to it because like these situations he's describing it the way you describe a situation in your own life. And and like if you were to try to understand what a fourteen year old goes through in a similar situation, it's impossible because you know it's it's there's like there's a cultural clash there, and the cultural clash is is you know the same cultural clash that you experience as a person growing up. It's like the difference between being fourteen and fifteen. You can't define it. Yeah, you feel it, and so so in order to know what a fourteen year old is going through, you almost have to be fourteen, and so it's like it's impossible to do. Which is why I know that a lot of these scenes are really close to actual events in his life. Right, and I may, I guess I, I see what you're saying, and maybe an interesting experiment would be to give this book to a 14-year-old and say, see what they think about it. All right, moving on. One thing which uh, <laughs> struck me as soon as I read the synopsis for this book was the similarities that it has to the story of Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Robin, <laughs> in Batman. Yeah, you know, the thing is I started reading this after you described that to me cuz you you said like, "Oh, we we you know, like uh, it's like it's like, you know, you made a Batman reference." And I was like, "What? Batman? What?" <laughs> like, "How's this what's that this Batman?" And you're like, "It's like it's like Dick Grayson, you know, instead of being adapted by Bruce Wayne, was adapted by some French guy." And I was like, so it's not at all like Batman and Robin at all then. So what you're saying is that it's like Batman, you know, without the superheroes and the villains and the capes in Gotham City and Batman. It's like Batman in all those ways, except for all the things that I mentioned. You know, the things that make it Batman. I'm just saying, the origin is like his parents are killed, you know, in, in, in a circus accident and, and, and a trapeze accident, and he's sent to live with someone who he doesn't know. I'm sorry, but when your parents bachelor, are killed... A bachelor. Period. Who you're going to be know. sent to live with somebody okay, else. Okay, okay, but <laughs> the fact that his parents died under, as they say, mysterious circumstances, even though there was no foul play involved, in a trapeze accident, and then this kid is sent to live with, you know, a bachelor who he doesn't know. You know? I'm just saying. Obviously, 
It's not. Although one thing you which sound I like a crazy person. You sound like a crazy no. person saying that sounds like Dick Grayson. No, no, no. I, I don't think so. Like I even um, sent a tweet to Tristan from To the Journey, and I was like, "Hey, check out this synopsis. You know, doesn't this sound like Robin?" And he's like, "See, you it can't totally say like does it sound like Robin? You have to say here. Let me tell you a story." A kid's parents die in a circus accident, and then he's sent to France, and he's raised by his drunk uncle. What does that sound like to you? Okay. It sounds like a really depressing story about some kid's life. Okay, maybe it's just does me. does not sound like Maybe Robin. it's just me. As soon as I flipped open that synopsis and I was like, you know, a kid's parents die in a trapeze accident, and he's sent to live with a guy. I'm like... Batman? This is Batman? What else is he? Is it going to be a son to live with a bear? <laughs> a family? It's going to be a person. A family? But but a one, a, a, you know, an, a bachelor, you know, who has never raised <laughs> oh a kid God. before? That's I'm so implausible. Saying, I'm, I'm not saying it's if not my, If my mom had look, died, I probably would have been raised by one of my uncles. Look, uh, And yeah, you know what? But what? They were all single guys. Here's the thing. None of them were Batman. But, but this is the thing. As far as I know. Do you think your mom would have died in a trapeze accident? If she were a trapeze artist? Well, that's the thing, because she's not. Oh, she's not. Yes, obviously. <laughs> so you're saying that because the trapeze is part of the story, that obviously Batman at some point is going to become involved. All I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is that from the beginning, I, I thought that uh, I could not stop thinking about the similarities to Robin, and because of this, while for some inexplicable reason the voice in my head of the kid was Roy Scheider, the voice of Uncle Fritz was Christian Bale the whole time. I can't picture Christian Bale speaking French. Well, he, it was Star Trek, you know, because it was Nicholas Meyer Star Trek, so he had the British accent. Moving on from that, uh, in terms of where this fits into his career, you know, this was the first book that Nicholas Meyer had written after uh, making the jump to uh, directing. He had made Time After Time, and then he came back and wrote, you know, Confessions of a Homing Pigeon in 1981 when he was 36 years old. And it was his uh, his first book after Time After Time and also the book that he wrote just before Wrath of Khan. This, this came out the year before Wrath of Khan. It seems like this is his most personal work. Um I, I get the impression based on, you know, the fact that it's autobiographical, the fact that it's, you know, um, like twice as long as any of his other books or anything like that, that he kind of, at least when he was writing this, considered it to be, you know, his driving Miss Daisy, you know, as as they would say in, in Get Shorty. You know, this was the one that he wanted to be remembered by. This was his plan nine from outer space. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How many freaking ridiculous ass references can you throw into one reference? I don't know. You this know. was his driving to Stacy, <laughs> as they say in Get Shorty. This was his Plan Nine from Outer Space, as they say in Edward. No, <laughs> they don't say these things. I'm just saying. Regardless of all that, <sighs> you know, I, I get the you impression. Like I, I get the impression that that this was sort of like something that he put his heart and soul into, whereas you know, West End horror or, or or something like that, he would have done kind of on the side as like a thing to do. You know, mm -hmm. it was his. You know, like if if you were to put it into Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Okay, never mind. This was his ET. This is his Schindler's List. No, it's his whereas, ET. Whereas, you know, like West End no, Horror would be his e. Jurassic Park. Okay, this is his ET. ET is Spielberg's most personal movie. Okay, you're right. You're right. 
So yeah, that, so that's accurate. This would definitely be his ET. This okay. is not his Schindler's List. Schindler's List that that's that that's Black Orchid. There are a lot of different angles you could take to approach this thing, and and like my feeling is that is that this was probably the most difficult thing that he's ever written. It doesn't mean that that's the best book or the best read, mm-hmm. but I mean the fact is like like you can tell that this is somebody you know like who thought like. I don't really like writing this. Uh, maybe. But yeah. I got to write it because it makes me uncomfortable to write it. So it's going to work. That's how it works. You know, like uh, that's the rule. I mean, you know, no tears for the author, no tears for the reader. I mean, that's that's what he did. He, he was like all those things that uh, that sort of defined, you know, how I came into being, you know, like they're, they're similar to a lot of other people's experiences. And that's why it's sort of universally applicable. That's why I can write it down and people will know how, it, how real it is and how, how significant these moments were in my life and why they matter to me. And they'll understand it. And because I've changed the names of the characters and I've moved some details around and I've, you know, put it on a boat rather than a bus, you know, things are different. So uh, that, that's, that's a very difficult process going through that. And, and I understand why uh, you would want to do that because it does, you know, it does allow you to... to you know, write something really important for yourself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, like this, there are a lot of different ways of approaching something, you know, like, and, and getting, you know, greatness out of a story. And, and, uh, I think that, you know, the universal applicable, you know, universally applicable, uh, you know, moments in, in, in youth where you, you know, become a more grown up person. I, I think that they're fairly well documented things. I mean, one of the reasons my catch from the right does, you know, get read every year by a bunch of people is because it still works mm-hmm. despite being what it was. I mean, people still do see themselves in that character. They're like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I know what that's like. I've been through that moment. And like this book, there's a lot of points where it's like, I know what that feels like, you know? And, and so like, there are a lot of things about this book that like, like, you know, you can find yourself in. And I definitely found myself in some, some moments in here. And and usually you find yourself in things that you think are unique to yourself, mm-hmm. but it's not. Well, yeah, you know, like the stuff that I found, like you know, like that related to me most personally was like the cultural clash stuff because like he was raised in France and America, and I had a little bit of that, and I was never really good at dealing with that logic. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of had like two different me's, yeah, and I never really you know like put them together until I much I was much older. So like that's that like that character's you know cultural clash. I understand that a lot. Yeah. And if I was forced to live in the other part of the world, I would definitely have got on a boat and traveled back to America. <laughs> well, any final thoughts on uh, Confessions of a Homing Pigeon? It's really well done. Mm-hmm. You know, the end result is 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 of a genre that I think is difficult to quantify as being particularly relevant. But, I mean, if you want to know, can Nicholas Meyer write a book that isn't a mystery and still make it work? Hell yeah, he can. Black Orchid is not a good example of that. Black Orchid is an example of him writing for a long time that results in very little. My my, my thoughts on it are basically, you know, yeah, I thought pretty much the same as what you're saying. thought it was really good. Uh, In some ways, I think it's uh, the, the best book that he's written in terms of like the content like i feel like he had the most to say here even if he wasn't like showing off as much in terms of uh his writing ability i think that that 
that digging that deep and pouring that much of yourself out onto the table so that the audience can see, that's still showing off. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, but not in terms of technique. It doesn't matter. It's still okay. showing off. Uh, that, that could be, yeah. Well, that's it for this week. Um, as always, you can find us at, at CommentaryTrackStars.com, where we do our other store, show, Commentary Trackstars. And you on Twitter can also, at ComTrackStars. And email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. Those are all the places. Oh, no, Trek.fm, where That's you can find right. this That's show right are. here. That's where we are. And you can also go to the forums and talk to us there. We have a little. We have our own section. We have our own section on a forum. We will be back next week um, to talk about the Canary Trainer, the final book in Nicholas Meyer's uh, career so far. It's also about birds. We'll be joined by Augie Alexi of Centuries and Sleuths Bookstore. Um, and he's hopefully going to drop some knowledge on uh, some Sherlock Holmes because uh, he is a Sherlockian extraordinaire. The Canary Trainer is what what would have happened to Robin if he had been in the opera and a girl. <laughs>